Good afternoon, evening, morning. You sound like a listeners. radio announcer. <laughs> the morning crew. Yeah. The zoo. Yeah, morning with, zoo crew. With like, that someone's got to have a stupid name. Someone's got to be like Kazza or Wazza or. Kazza? We've or got a Kazza here. No, she's Kaz. That's different. That's no, oh, okay. only because we've got three fucking Karens. Can I be Pazza? Can you be Kazza? I am not Kazza. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm the one with the normal name. You can be with the one with the dopey name. Okay, I'll be dopey guy. Um, so yes. we're here on the uh, episode whatever it is because we we gave up counting. Correct. And I'm standing today instead of sitting because I have done something. Bogans are out zooming around because Adelaide. Um, <clears throat> you know, people didn't hear that, by the way. Yes, no. I heard that our last interview... Our our pre we had a hoon and I and I heard, heard it and I commented on it. But we didn't hear Frank snoring when you put him up to the. Oh, did we not? No, oh, that was a, a dead silence because it was very cute. Yes, but um, yes, no. I'm standing because I've screwed my neck up and I'm in so much pain I can't even wear a pair of glasses at the moment. Does it weigh your brain? So down? I'm doing really really great on the detail because you've been shooting new products all day. I've today been shooting new products with Mark Doring from Bentamark. Correct. Our if you haven't seen our new cover. products, then you're missing out. You need to go to our highlights on our Instagram, Instagram. page, which is where all the sneak peeks are. We've got um, some extremely sexy calendar action. We have uh, a couple of different versions, which we're also going to be expanding on tomorrow, where we will. Have a calendar that is, by request of the Ollie Sansom, blackened steel. Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. Yeah. Oi, well, oi, oi. I hope it bloody works because got a bunch of the suckers coming. Cool bananas. So, so this little uh, episode recording thing. You just skimmed over all of the product announcements. Oh, okay. We'll we make going. nothing out of this podcast except for goodwill in the four people that are listening to it. And now I get to talk about the products that I've been working on for two and a half months. And you're like, anyway, let's listen to Tons of Fun. Really? Really? <laughs> Fuck you, Atkins. So we're gonna, you're going to finish your conversation? No, Should we do that afterwards? cares. We can do that afterwards. Sure. If people want to hang around and listen about products afterwards, they're not fucking going to want to do that. That's what we do in the beginning, you, know what you they do? They, they hang around for my moment of colour. Yeah, that's it. That's what they wait for. How am I going to sleep when you're doing your moment of colour now I'm standing up? Well, there's a lot of things sleep standing up like horses. That's true. Do they? Or is it cows? Standing up? Yeah, one of those animals do. Sharks sleep swimming. What else are they going to do? Bite. <laughs> anyway, so this week's guest is Kelly <clears throat> Tunney from the, the Canberra. Um, our nation's capital. Correct. Which is Correct. a fascinating town, which I really I love Canberra so very much. Yeah, uh, it's a great place to go, and she's a. They a used to have my favourite hotel ever, and then they sold it to some chain, and now it's shit. Really, what was the hotel? The Nishi Apartments, and there was the hotel attached to it. Um, oh God, I can't remember what their original name was. Um, in that not hotel, hotel. No. Oh, yes, it was Hotel Hotel. It was called Hotel Hotel back right. then. It's called, like, chain number 347. They just took the extra hotel. And they had the beautiful monster bar that made the most fabulous food. And yeah, it's we now just And we actually, kept, can we catch up with Kelly there? 
We certainly caught up with Dan O'Day Dan on one of our there, tours. But I don't think we caught up with Telly, Kelly, but yeah, now the, that beautiful bar is just fucking crap. What is this? A, a, a breakfast steak. bar? It's just it's just shit. Well, when it I make, was there, makes you wonder though. Was it actually working as it was? Why did it change? Because um, franchises are the devil. Maybe they are. Anyway, let's listen to Kelly Tunney and then we'll talk. Really? We're just going to go straight into it? We're not going to talk about well, Kelly? we can talk about Kelly afterwards. And what is with you trying to get these fucking intros down to 30 seconds? Uh, not really. I just was focused, you know. If I <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody better be because I don't wear glasses at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. Enjoy Kelly. All right, I'm on the Skype here with Kelly Tunney all the way in Canberra. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Paul. Welcome. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm feeling feeling really good, actually. I'm feeling really lucky that we're still in business and that we're still alive yeah. and we live in this wonderful country and yeah. um, and we can have these sorts of conversations with people who, like, if I if anyone would look at your, um, now this is one of those things, you know, the, your, the marketing of your photographic business, mm-hmm. which is basically what I would call your onstage, right? Okay, because yep. everyone's looking at each other's on stage when we're in the social media world and that kind of stuff. You're a wedding yeah. photographer, right? And yeah. you haven't yep. been able to do anything. Um, no. You've had a really, a really tricky year. But we can talk yeah. a little bit about the trickiness of the year as we go through this. But mm-hmm. have you always been a wedding photographer? Because uh, I know you're a gun and I just don't know where it all began. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it Well... It's funny because it it started quite early, I think. Um, I studied photography straight out of school, um, which was for about three years, and I hated it so much. Like it it was really challenging. Um, I was um, the youngest by about 12 years, so it was a lot of mature-age students, and I was a very young 18-year-old, I guess you'd say, so... I was a bit naive um, and I sort of come out of that not really enjoying photography anymore. So I dabbled in hospitality and joined the public service like all good Canberrans do <laughs> and, um, yeah, just sort of eventually came back to photography, I guess, on my own terms because So what the was, way- it, was it the education that put you off of it? Was it the way it was taught or was it just the way you were soaking things up at that age? Yeah, it was, it was all of the above, I yeah. think. You know, I just, as I said, being a pretty young-minded sort of 18, 19-year-old, I think I finished just before I turned 20. Um, I, I think the people that I was studying with were just so uh, worldly, you know, and a lot of them had previous careers, um, lots of degrees already, a few architects, that sort of thing. Um, and I just felt out of my depth. I think um, the teachers made me not feel uh, particularly, they weren't particularly encouraging as well. And funny enough, um, you know, some of the same teachers that, so I finished, I graduated in 1996. Right. It was a long time ago. Um, and some of the teachers are still there, which astounds me. But, um, yeah, and I think I just, how things were geared back then was that you needed to come out of something and you're either in strong art, you need to be an art photographer or commercial. That's yeah. kind of how it was, it was guided 
to how you would graduate and you wouldn't stay in Canberra, you'd move to Sydney or Melbourne. And I didn't have an interest in either of those things and I didn't want to move. So I sort of wasn't taken seriously, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah. interesting. So the, so you're, you're definitely in the film era of the, of yeah. the graduation. Um, the, but the focus on the, cl- the course, what, like we find in Adelaide here that a class is either commercial orientated yeah. um, or arts and it's almost like they don't mix oil and water no. sort of things as far as the teaching style goes. But you felt at the, uh, where you were studying that mm. they did kind of offer both those streams quite, quite reasonably, did they? Well, a little bit because there was the art school. So you, you had the um, uh, Canberra School of Art at the ANU, which I know a few people, few successful photographers I know now in Canberra actually did that course. And that was geared up very, very differently. So mine, in a nutshell, kind of was a commercially geared right. real-life experience kind of yeah. education for three years. Um, but it was sort of all about, you know, fashion or you photograph cars and you, you all of it was studio work I right, suppose right. and there was not a lot of real practical you definitely didn't study any kind of business back then you, yeah. you didn't um I think as part of our last semester in year three like we had to get, get a website going or or something like that but it was you know again back then we were still running off photoshop three I think yeah, yeah. um and but we just started digital as I was graduating. So we had to, you know, we were accustomed to all formats, you know, lots of 5.4 stuff and we had to produce and um, darkroom all our own stuff. So we had to do colour work and lots of transparency stuff. And so I think looking back now, that's it did teach me a lot, um, a lot like, right. but I didn't know it at the time. You Isn't know, I know funny? it now. Yeah. That, that's, that's, I mean, it does, it's frustrating that it pushed you away from, uh, yeah. from something. So why why did you pick photography up in the first place in that world? Like, is it a family thing or is it a? No, not really. I think I, um, I become in year 10, I think. So I was about 15 or 16 and I just got, I had a little Pentax snappy happy sort of camera and I just, I don't know, I found myself just taking it to school every day and then I ended up being asked to take photos for the yearbook. That, right, that was right. about it. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of all portrait stuff um, and I only really, um, I did work experience in year 11 um, and I started actually, We had, it was compulsory too, so I, I did it at a photography studio and they gave me, back then everything was hand retouched, yeah. you know, so we... We had a whole retouching sort of department, like there was, you know, two or three full-time staff just retouching these commercial photos and I think I was part of work experience just given that to muck around with. So it was lots of oils um, and lots of um, just spraying. There was a big spray tent area we had to use and lots of just removing people's wrinkles with pencils. so what sort of a studio? You said it's commercial. Is it was it like a, a gap glamour stuff or was it models uh, and fashion? No, it was kind of a bit of everything. Like he at the time he had um big commercial clients. Like he did all the work for Telstra. Um we oh. photographed all the high court judges here and he did like lots of big law firms, but then also did like 
100 weddings a year, but then you came <laughs> into the studio. So you'd yeah. have your wedding at a church and then you'd come in and have your portrait sitting in a studio. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think his first wedding he shot was the day was the year my mum was born so it's like 1951 <laughs> or something so he was pretty old but um yeah the retouching he just saw what I was doing and he's like yeah, you've got a you've got an interesting eye like you're very detailed and wow. that's when he offered me a job um just working Saturday mornings I think I was 16 17 something like that yeah. so that's kind of where it all it, it was a yeah. bit of an accidental start I think yeah. it's, it's still a long <laughs> way away from you know, being a, a wedding photographer and someone doing the kind of wedding work you're doing, it's it like it's all the foundation, yeah. totally. But it's and and the fact you've been so consistent and attacked wedding photography so consistently for your career, it's almost yeah. like uh, like it was an uh, uh, almost an irrelevant branch of where you're at. But mm. but you know something because you came out the gate so strong with you know a different approach to weddings. Uh, yeah you know, in the early 2000s, it really was, uh, you know, yeah. quite quite different stuff. What set you on that? What, how did you look at it and go, well, hell, this has all been done wrong. Let me fix it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was necessarily done wrong. I think it was just um, a very conservative approach to something that I thought had more substance to it. You know, it, it, it just, there's so many ingredients and, um, great people interactions and things with weddings like I didn't see the point in structuring sort of every part of the day but I mean I, I started my business in 2004 um, and at that time Hillary Waldorf yeah. was the gun she she was the benchmark yeah. in Canberra and she had a distinctive eye and it was a little bit different so I had my eyes set on her, but she was, you know, we're so far apart when I sort of started that I had to start in that big pool of, you know, just doing what everyone else was doing. And it, I think it took probably about two years to just the penny just dropped. You know, I started going to all the locations that people told me I should go to and then I would realise, hang on, there's like 10 other weddings here and they're all buying for the same vantage point or, right, yeah. you know, so that was this this uh, repertoire of, you know, these. It, it was just the same every weekend. Yeah, just so, insert different people in the, in, the, yeah. in the picture, yeah. Yeah, so it was just like, okay, well, even at some of these locations, if you turned around the other way and faced a different direction, to me, that seemed more interesting, but there was no one over there. So I was like, I don't know. I just sort of started pe steering people off to different directions and eventually I think it was just well-received almost straight away. So Because I was going to say convincing people to do – because the yeah. whole, a lot of things about business is saying, I can do this for you, come join me, let me do it for you, and this is what you pay for it. Now, if yeah. you don't do what you're showing them – you know, because you, you come up with some other stuff on the go, then there's a whole lot of trust that you've got to oh, bring into yeah. the relationship, when, right? So how did, yeah. how did that, how do you start to build that? Oh, I think so it's a tricky one because I felt like it just happened very organically because I kind of felt it, I just did it, I showed it, I displayed it everywhere I could. Um, 
And I think people just visually saw that it was something very different and that, I don't know, it, that they wanted that sort of point of difference, I suppose. So the more that I was able to do it, and I think my approach to just being a bit more human with them, if I can say that, just like try and just be their mate first and then build a rapport that way. So I, I had a pretty um, early on my structure was always the same, like I'd have to meet them. Like all this now in these days, this is all out the window because half the time you don't even get to meet your couple. But back then it was... Um, you know, an hour and a half meeting, you know, they'd come to my place, I'd go to them and I'd have all my sample albums and we would talk just about how they met and just just try that approach, try and, try and just sort of, um, as I said, yeah, build that r rapport really early on. And then it, I think what happened very, very early on is that I sort of got into a, a similar circle of friends with, you know, one started and then like 10 would come off that. So they all knew each other and then it sort of built yeah. from there. So There was a trust within that group, I suppose. Yeah, that, and that I think word of mouth that, and that's exactly word of mouth. So if I got one person's trust, they would pass that on to nine of their friends kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's really cool. I, I, was, I was always interested in the – because where you decided to change the way you approached weddings was – I believe at the end of this evolution where people were brought into the studio because you can control it and you can shoot tons and tons of weddings and, and it's almost like it's a, it's a geared machine that makes your life a bit easier and you show them the samples and they yeah. go, yeah, I want that and so you insert the different couple in there and eventually yeah. that becomes the soulless thing that it actually ends up being. Yeah. But there's yeah. a lot of energy that gets sunk into shooting a wedding when you are along emotionally along with the journey of this new couple, you meet them, you engage yeah, with them. Yeah, totally. So was that was that a real challenge, staying um, involved and or still a challenge, staying involved and kind of in love with the whole story and process and getting – because that's what makes it because you've got such a great relationship with the mm. clients. But that means you've got all these friends that you're building and working with and yeah. creating. That's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah, can be. I mean, it's just, you know, when you finish a wedding, you, you're mentally and emotionally drained just as much as you are physically because it's such a physical day too, you know. It, it's just you are on the go and your mind is on the go and everything just feels like it's 100 mile an hour. Um, but, I mean, it's just connection and, and uh, you know, I, I have a lot of couples that I have had you know, 10, 15 years ago that uh, like I would have dinner with them now. I've photographed their kids and that sort of thing. And it, look, it's not every single relationship is that way. Yeah. But I think once you, again, the way you market yourself, the language you use, how you, uh, what you, what words you use on your website and how you write an email and that sort of thing, you attract a certain type of person, I suppose. And so it doesn't feel exhausting to yeah. to be their friend or be invested yeah. in their day like I genuinely most of the time I'm 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 there as much as they are kind of thing you know I do kind of put everything I have inside and outside into into these days I mean it's not always like that you know there's some that are just 
I just don't know why I'm here. <laughs> doesn't, <laughs> you know, we're not quite we're not quite gelling. But you know, I think through experience, I've also learnt that you know the ones that you don't gel. I've sort of feel like I've probably built uh, and taught myself ways to to navigate through difficult, yeah. challenging situations with people that I can adapt myself. Yeah. Um, and if I know if it's like if I'm just doing this for five hours, like it's fine, I'll just go back to being boring old me the next day, you know. <laughs> so that's the, exper- that's the experience side of things when you've you learn little yeah. tricks that that can pull you back into it. Because I, I mean, even yeah. you know, you can be talking to someone and you're you can drift a little bit, and being present in the conversation or at the job and what oh, you're doing, yeah. that's when you don't miss the shots, isn't it? That's where yeah, that's where you're completely alert to these. And I think you've been quoted yeah. saying something like the in-betweens, you know, the shots that happen in between the big things. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that something you like to chase? Oh, still. And that's what I try and, if I can, it's something I try and teach as well, you know, because it's people letting their guard down and sometimes just allowing people to uh, think that moment's finished in their minds, you know, then this realness comes out, something sort of surfaces um, that they, they're not aware of what they're doing or, you know, the way that they might just grab the other person's hand or something. They're not, it's just, it's it's a just a natural reaction, you know. So I'm looking for only the things that they can identify. So when they look back at these photos, they're like, yeah, I, I do that, you know, but I can't pose that. I can't set that up. So Often I just, you know, when that you feel like you're posing somebody or you're putting them in this sort of certain scenario and then you're like, okay, cool, let's go, and I just just wait another 10 seconds and often that's the shot for me. It's just after that or it's moving into something or, you know, we're walking somewhere and, you know, they'll help each other somehow or something like that. They're not aware of it um, but I can see it. You know, so it, it they're the in between stuff that I feel are way more authentic, way more real, and um, yeah, I think they're the ones that my couples want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you find that you're spending a lot of time preparing for that kind of stuff? Uh, you know, in the way that you would walk into a, a place that you don't know, and then you you do a recce and try and work out where the light's falling, what's interesting, where people are going to be and all that stuff. Is that a part of it? Yeah, it's it's interesting how I've done like I'd say a full circle even since this pandemic. Like, um, So what I used to do, I had a, um, let's say 10 years ago, I would visit the locations at the right time. I would make notes. I would put things in my back pocket and I would try to replicate everything that I had practiced the day before or something like that and I would be very particular and I just found I might have done that for like seven or eight years and then find I kept letting myself down you know because I'd get there and it'd be raining or I'd get there and we're an hour and a half late and the light wasn't right or there was a car parked where I wanted them to stand and things were just out of my control and I thought, I'm better than this. Like I, I think I can work better on on my feet. I think I have to rely on a little bit of common sense but a little bit of creativity that 
just comes from nothing. Yeah. So I stopped. I stopped doing that. And um, you were trying to be organised. You were trying to yeah sort out the little things that go wrong. Possibly is you know yeah. And then that you found doesn't that exist that- in weddings. It's just <laughs> everything and anything will go wrong. And that's I think why honestly some of the best wedding photographers. I swear they'd be good at anything that they could photograph. You know, like it. They have the most what they've got in their little tool belt for skill sets and um, that they can do anything. I, I truly believe that. I think they um, could master any type of genre of photography. But I think with this pandemic, I shot my first wedding back the start of September. Yep. So it was six months and I went, I found myself, I went back to me 10 years ago. Really? Uh, yeah. And I, 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 I was so, uh, I was just anxious, I think. So um, were you feel like there's, there's like I would, I've read and fearless is a great word that describes you, right? Um, <laughs> was this, a, this, is this kind of fearful behaviour uh, where you're worried about what might happen so you were tackling things, trying to prepare yourself, over-prepare yourself maybe? Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And I've done, I've only shot two weddings since we've been back. The first wedding I had that approach. I was very cautious and I even went to the rehearsal and I visited the church and I did all these things. And then my second wedding, it was gone. I didn't have to do that. So um, it was interesting. It was just that first wedding jitters or something. I don't know. I I knew I would fall into the uh, into that realm and that routine pretty quickly, but uh, I didn't back myself. I just didn't think um, I was worried about everyone's talking about, okay, well, you can't do family photos. Okay, you have to get people to sign documents to make sure you're covered. And it was all these extra stresses in my head that I thought, oh, crap, like (laughs) if this is going to go pear-shaped, like how how am I going to handle this? And and they're just other external factors that I've obviously never had to worry about before but now it's okay (laughs) i know i know but and i felt the same i mean the beginning of the year for us it was well we've got you know sort of 18 people under the one roof we could be Mm. the vector for the virus in south australia because we've got film parcels coming in from victorians and if you're still shooting portrait 120 you're licking the you're you're licking the film (laughs) and there's all this sort of like the anxiety about it and i'm sure canberra felt it because you're on the doorstep of both the two of the biggest yeah. cities in the in the country, um, yeah, with, with reasonably well, open borders. I think um, in the beginning, whatever New South Wales, it's it was too hard to distinguish between New South Wales and ACT sort of thing. So whatever was going on in New South Wales, they're like, okay, we'll just, just let's just apply that to ACT as well. So everything was shut down pretty quickly, early, very early on as well. You know, so we were still. I think some of the last restrictions, the really tight ones back in March, came through on a Friday afternoon and we had like four weddings the next day and they were done, like just literally wow. overnight, finished. So what happened? Know. Was it that you just called, the, the couples called it's you? you called chaos. The so <laughs> yeah. what, well, tell us what happened. Well, it, it, I have another business all grown up as well. So we had contractors and I had uh, one of them, Tomo, was like ringing the venue saying, okay, so what's going to happen tomorrow? And they're like, they didn't even know. They hadn't even heard yet. So this was 
like four or five o'clock, can't remember exactly, on a Friday afternoon before a Saturday wedding, you know. So it was really hectic to try and because people, I think some venues were like, oh, it's it's okay, you know. It's, it was such a, it feels like it was such a different time that last weekend in March to, to now, you know. There were a lot of people either still not taking it seriously or to the extreme you know, they wouldn't leave their house. So, um, yeah, it was just a logistical nightmare and then it was just for me, okay, well, are my shooters safe? Am I doing the right thing by allowing them to shoot this wedding? At what point do I step in and say, well, no, he, he can't be there. It's a safety yeah. issue, you know, and, and, and then you look at how your contracts are written and they're not, you know, they're not written for something like this. So it's like, I don't know. Um, yeah, so it was just quite chaotic and I sort of started ringing mates and like, what are you doing? Um, and, it, you know, online as well, like there was lots of photography groups blowing up and I think because it just happened so quickly and it was immediate, you know, there was no warning um, at all. So you're trying to work out logistics that have, best for you but yet you're trying to accommodate couples and and some of them were traveling you know that wasn't just what was happening in Canberra so um yeah it was pretty stressful and how long did it take <laughs> to untie like from where did you feel like you were kind of on top of the cancellations was it like a week or so of of running around like a mad thing um no not really because what happened is it, it just had this sort of a bit of a domino effect really early on and then I think things went a bit silent for maybe four weeks, six weeks or something. And then if you fast forward even to when Melbourne had its second wave, that's when things picked up again. Even though we're not in Melbourne, uh, some of our couples aren't in Melbourne, the fear factor for, for couples and families and things were just rampant. So everyone's like, oh, well, let's just cancel. So we've got a second wave yeah, of yeah. cancellations as well. So, And the travel situation for a lot of people, you know, not having their families able to travel to wherever they were. And just I know because we're in Canberra we are lucky in a sense, but a lot of our couples are still yeah. from all over. Yeah, so. and the families certainly are, aren't they? Uh, so yeah. It's one of those places a bit like here where, not everyone doesn't end up here particularly. Uh, so mm. they either come back together and if they're coming from another state. So tell me, mm. with the uh, did most of your weddings then get rebooked for next year or later this year? Or Yeah, again, it was just all pretty inconsistent. You know, there was no rhyme or reason to what anyone was doing because some were being, you know, their wedding was going to be in March. So they're like, okay, well, we'll move it to July. You know, there were sort of a bit of unrealistic circumstances for, and you know, and those people then cancelled or postponed again. So we've had, I think we had two or three couples, one's on their fourth date, which is just insane. Oh, right. um, That's insane. Yeah. So then accommodating lots of calendars and that sort of thing is, is tricky. Um, Are these big events, it, like tons of people involved? Not really. Like we're not really a... Um, you know, our average wedding is a bridal party of six and maybe 100 people, you know, so we don't do those big epic 500-plus uh, weddings or anything like that with 
you know, um, big venues or anything. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty containable. But then I think a lot just adapted. Um, my wedding last weekend was 18 people, you know, no bridal party, that kind of thing. Um, and then some are, you know, pushing way forward to, say, November 2022 kind of thing. Wow. It's like, uh, well, who knows where we'll be then. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I feel yeah. that you know, health pandemic-wise, things will be, you know, mm. not back to normal, but they will certainly be, they'll be yeah. functioning. Uh, so at least yeah. there'll be that. But who knows, you know, there is this hole that's happened and it's not always going to be filled because some wet marriages just don't last. Um, nah, it's true. You know, there's a chunk of them that don't. And yeah. it's, it, whether the wedding's photographed or, or not, you know, the relationship. And, of course, now everyone's been locked and everyone hates each other or loves each other some more. Or yeah, there's extra kids. It's all sorts yeah. of stuff. All over the place. <laughs> that's, that's been crackers. So, so let's yeah. just uh, let's just wind back. You had like the the sort of weddings that you to describe the smallish, not really small, but a hundred people weddings. Was that something yeah. that you'd always focused on? Uh, these these sort of smaller weddings. Uh yes and no. I think it probably happened just as a matter of course, you know, because. Uh, you know, I think when you start off your career in wedding photography, uh, you kind of dabble in, you know, you kind of take whatever you can get probably, let's be honest. So, um, you know, I'd done the big ethnic weddings or the three-day Indian ceremonies or, um, you know, the big Macedonian weddings where there was literally a 1,000 people and you pretty soon, well, for me anyway, uh, personally, I realised pretty quickly they're not really my thing. You yeah. know, I, I'm not um, – you get lost in the crowd and it's really hard to connect with people when there's that many. Um, I like the activity and that sort of thing, but, yeah, they're full on. They're just they're, – they're too big for me. And as I've got older – and a bit more sore around the knees and, and joints and things like that. I, I just can't shoot 14-hour days anymore. Like, it'll kill me. <laughs> so tell me, how, how many weddings were you doing at that time? Like, how, how – what was your – I sort of I, – I, I was still shooting film to 2008, yeah. um, and back then uh, you know, man, it was a lot easier because I, I would shoot probably – Oh, from memory, it was like 10 to 12 rolls of 35 mil and maybe five rolls of 120. And, you know, you'd pop it into um, Biker that was in Canberra. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and then um, I'd have it back. I think it was about if I'd handed it in on Monday, I probably had it the following Monday, maybe Friday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I could do tons of weddings, tons and tons, and I think <laughs> – 2009, I think it was, I did 67 weddings myself. That's a lot. Um, oh, gross. It was just horrible. That was a proper burnout kind of thing because a lot of them were, you know, it, I, and I wasn't traveling or anything back then. So I was shooting a lot in Canberra. Um, and, you know, it's too cold in winter. So I'd be doing these triple headers and, and that sort of thing. But um, when I was really getting, bit more momentum in my career, sort of 2010, 2012, I was sitting around 50 
I'd say, uh, 55, something like that. And it's still pretty serious. Oh, yeah. I had had help then though. Like I had some people, had staff, had a full-time staff and two others sort of helping casually. So I certainly didn't do it on my own, but I had a lot more travel back then too. So, um, yeah, it was pretty hectic. But I, I sort of sit around 25 to, well, not 30. I'd say 25 yeah. now. So is, that, there, is your process I'm, saying no, you know, like picking your clients? Is that the, is that what you're doing mm, now? You know, not really. I, I mean, I suspect that might have happened, I don't know, let's say five years ago. But I tell you what, the industry has gone through the biggest change, I'd say, in the last five years than I've ever seen, you know, so for a long time. It. Tell me about it. What, what, what are you seeing as a change? <laughs> That's a good segue. Uh, I just... People are so damn good. Like, you know, um, they're really good and the competition is fierce. And, I mean, I know the competition's always going to be there, um, but I think education and what people have access to now is very different to, say, even five years ago. And the educators that we have, you know, I'd say 90% of them are excellent, you know, so they are offering a lot to, to newcomers and that's great. It, it, it's great that we're lifting. I don't know. Well, I don't see it that we've completely lifted the industry um, necessarily. I think it's been just fanned out and filtered out so much that that middle market positioning is nuts. Like it's, yeah, it's just too saturated and, um, but it's saturated with really quality people yeah, that, yeah. you know, are excellent in their second year. Do you think there's a, a bottom market still? Is there a... Yeah, yeah. Still, I think, yeah, I think there is. Because used to be really huge of, and it was often the press photographer, you know, who'd worked all week for the yeah. paper and then on Saturday shot a couple of weddings, handed the films to the couple. Uh, yeah. You know, and that that was like, the stuff up. was okay. It was what it was. But, yeah, you're right, the middle is... is the standard's great. And, of course, camera gear is incredible. You know, what it takes yeah. to get a great picture these days is, is um, yeah. well, not a great, yeah. but a well-exposed, sharp thing. Mm. The next step is how you make it actually something, how you get to that next step of making something special. And that's where, you know, experience is, is it. Yeah, and I, I, I do, and I've always said, I mean, you know, the cream does rise to the top eventually, you know, um, and that's that's fine. But I think sustaining epic prices you know like I there's no way I could get away with charging what I did uh maybe it was around 2012 I suppose it's just really no and I, I it's also with Canberra I think Canberra had a very unique little spot um we didn't have a lot of competition and people didn't look beyond where they lived really you know so we got busy quickly and, and, you know, ones that came through, like old mate Dan um, as well around that time, just and were good and, and great even to start off with, just, you know, uh, got their foot in that market really, really quickly and was able to move through um, pretty quickly to a really high bracket. Um, I think it's harder for people to hit a higher point now because once they sort of get into that middle it's probably hard to 
get out of it because I think a lot of what people are doing, let's say pre-pandemic, because it's just all different now. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just not sustainable. I, I, in my opinion, anyway, it's just what people were doing for the prices and the amount of hours. Um, you know, 50, 60, 70 times a year um, by themselves, you know, you start to see families break down and just health issues. And No, there's plenty of examples of, of that. Yeah. And, and this is the, is this yeah. the same sort of burnout you described that you had? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It, uh, similarly, I think because I probably, uh, I don't know, like those sort of starry lights, kind of a bit of you gain a little bit of success or and then maybe someone might ask you to speak somewhere or maybe you get asked to shoot a wedding overseas or something like that and I think that first year it happened to me I just got really hungry for it and I had a new family like my son was probably you know was only four or five uh, going into kindy and I was traveling just all the time and just trying to juggle both was just, for me anyway, just near impossible. So, you know, a a lot of things suffered in that. My mum got really, really sick in the middle of that um, and I was still shooting probably 60 or so weddings and I'm sort of her carer and then my husband just said, I'm done, you want to, you know, you go be a photographer, I don't want to sort of stick around this is crazy because the business was at home you know it was just all kelly tunney photographer that's all we ever spoke about and it was yeah it was too much so i didn't have a life outside of the business you know for a while there yeah yeah that's interesting and i think i think in some ways it's where others find themselves at and that next step of what you choose to do uh Mm. you know kind of Makes such a difference. What was what did you choose to do at that point? Just put the brakes on all sorts of things. I think so because a lot of things sort of happened probably quickly. I was um, I was missing everything my son was doing. You know, he's probably like I said, in kindy age up to maybe year three. He was starting soccer. I missed probably the first two years of everything. I didn't attend anything. Parents didn't know me. They knew Phil. They didn't know me. Um, My mum was getting sicker and then I started getting a bit unwell. And um, so it's like, okay, well, it's just not sustainable. Something's got to change here. And I think, um, you know, when the marriage and things start to go a little bit haywire, it's like, okay, well, clearly this is not worth everything you know it's um i need to sort of make some adjustments to to life and the routine and i think i i initially probably raised my prices as a start because i was just doing too much um yeah and it just evolved into a bit better balance but you know people trying to find that right balance between family life and business um is tricky because it's hard to say no, you know, um, when it's your own business. Yeah. So hard. <laughs> and it is hard to too when, you know, you've done so well, uh, you know, award-wise and recon- recognition-wise. Like I think you were the, the first female photographer of the year, um, wedding photographer of the year. And, um, yeah. you know, you've got so much under your belt with that stuff that I'm sure the, 
I mean, that's a reward. You want to, you want a little bit more of it. It's nice, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a good thing, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't like. There's a whole lot of other things to your life that you've got to, you got to look after too. Mm. Yeah, there's, you know, often there's a cost to those sorts of things, and um, I'm naturally a really driven person, and I'm a competitive person, and um, I have all those traits that are just they're there, you know, so. I don't need to be pushed far to want extra things, you know. I'm I'm always working at something, you know. So, um, yeah, I think it's sort of. I mean, with the awards and and that, it's it's again, it's probably done a bit of a full circle because I'd obsess over them like really badly, <laughs> you know. I just I I um at any cost, I just I would spend so much time doing them. I put every life would be on hold for. A couple of weeks while I prepared for these awards and you know I was runner-up 50,000 times and um, you know I just never quite got there and so yeah. I, it's I a distraction like, isn't it and it's, yeah it was a big distraction yeah. yeah. I, I like to think it's sport it's like if you're into playing sport good on you but you need the time mm. and you need to give other things up to play that game. Yeah, and uh, your training and, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I did that. And I, I, I still have that competitiveness, I think, um, with it. But I even think for what the award world looked like back then, it's sort of it's a bit different now. We've sort of come back to, all right, let's show me the real stuff. You know, I, I, your creativity is, is great, but let's – we want to see – emotional connection and we want to see the real moments um and not i don't know dartboards that i used to do across people's faces and random shit that i used to muck around (laughs) with but i don't know it's just i I still like doing that sort of thing and i like to conceptualize stuff but um yeah the the stuff in the heartstrings are more important i think yeah 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 so with the with the uh, the award stuff, like you, you're judging a, a lot now too, uh, and you've been asked to judge. Mm. Like that's, and you said you wanted to be bringing sort of real stuff, and you feel like mm. the, the sort of your interest is in that. And I completely agree with you. The challenge I find with with the awards and that kind of stuff, that real stuff isn't always creatively as interesting, and and to judges who maybe not as experienced yeah. as you. Uh, they kind of need pretty intense stuff. Like, I don't know about you, but I like the occasional uh, Big Mac. And, um, and, and, a, and like the fast food is really good. It's salty and it's, it's amazing. It's fatty and salty and it just works yeah. on me. And as a judge, because yeah. I'm an inexperienced judge, but as a judge, if you see something that's kind of new and fresh and wow, you get carried away, you get into it. Seeing yeah. the stuff that personally though, to slow down and consume beautiful images that require a bit more nuance and time to understand yeah. and, you know, and that's where the, the great work is. I, I just find the judging hard to see that stuff and it, and it, it often comes a 79 next print please sort of thing. Mm. And you can skip out. Do, do you have anything, like how do you t- tackle that stuff? How do you, how do you cope with it? How do you find well, the good stuff? It's, it's really interesting because I, uh, especially in let's just say the Apple world, like in the last couple of years, I sort of 
myself, uh, James Simmons and Dan O'Day, like I think we have very different judging styles but we have a similar aesthetic and a similar belief in truly what is good wedding photography and I think the wedding category has changed a lot and the wedding judging has changed a lot and it's just it's just had lost its way I I feel um and I don't know I I just there's something there's a lot of responsibility in your judging too because at the end of the day especially if you're a judge that um not I don't want to say has a lot of sway but if you a very convincing argument and you can really get those judges around to be believing what you believe in, you know, that image might be the poster image for the wedding category, let's say, for APA. So that sends a really strong message to um, the industry, uh, to people outside of our little ARPP bubble, what good wedding photography is. And it, it just was just inconsistent with what that message was. So take that part really seriously when I look at an image. It's it it some sometimes stripping back some things to just simplicity and maybe there's not lots of elements in it. So it's harder to talk about, sure, but sometimes I my judging style is probably way more emotive and I'm a bit more about the feels and um, a reaction that I get that I don't know why I've got it, but I have it, so I need to try and explain. Yeah, that's to your people. job. It's so, it's yeah, a- <laughs> yeah, is to is to explain yeah. those feelings and um, yeah. maybe get them on side. And it, yeah, sure, it, it doesn't work um, a lot of times, and then sometimes it it does. And um, it's just, I just think there's a big responsibility in in um, in in what you. You, the tone you're setting, I suppose. So um, it's, you know, and I've judged, uh, I've done New Zealand for the last couple of years as well and, man, they're amazing <laughs> over there um, and their wedding is very competitive and it's very diverse and... Um, their locations are incredible, I think. Yeah. Now that's, a, that's a, a little trick <laughs> that's, it's so easy to get caught away with this scenery that we've never seen of before. Course. Yeah, it is. You sort of, that's the thing is as a judge too, there's so many things that you need to take in consideration in that first 10 seconds that you've got to make an assessment because, and especially if you're judging in different states, you know, I I remember doing years ago, I did Perth, um, WA, and I, over there, you had to judge every single category. So I was doing commercial and landscape and that sort of thing. And Okay, well, we all, you know, the landscape photographers in WA, I mean, please, they're just <laughs> amazing. So everything to me was like, yep, 98, yep, no, 96, you know. I was like, no, <laughs> you know, like because yeah. you do, you, you, you get swept up in what you think is original. It's original to my eyes, but, you know, over there it's, it's a bit more common. So you have to, um, yeah, man, there's a lot of things at play. I know, I know. I think. <laughs> I, I just I find I, I that's what I struggle with because you can't train mm. the judges and you you, you want to do it you want ec- excellently trained judges that's what the solution is but how do you do that yeah. with without the money and the time to to, to sort yeah. of set that process? But up? I think I, I think you know I mean uh, you know you would know too I guess with 
either panel chairs and things like that that know the photographers hopefully and know the type of uh, style of judging or the way that they speak or their expertise that hopefully the five judges sitting there are well-rounded, you know, so you will have a me talking about, you know, light and fluffy stuff sometimes and um, someone who's just so passionate about colour management or, you know, a Rocco that can talk about printing like, yeah, you know, yeah. no one else and, and so on and so on that you hope that um, you've got five um, balanced judges that just have all sorts of difference of opinion, you know, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was exploring with David Williams when I interviewed him um, oh, yeah. uh, a few episodes ago about the role, and this is something I didn't understand when it first was presented and explained to me, but the role of the panel chair and at WPPI, the panel chair has a bit mm. more influence on the they judging do, panel. Yeah. And they, 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 their job, because they're almost like the judges who are the most experienced judges because they kind of know the other judges. And if, if they can remove their ego from the role of panel chair, they can generally get the best out of all the judges and call on the right ones to make comments. And, you know, mm. I, I mean, well, had it had been presented to me this idea of this slight tweak in the panel chair idea as, oh, we don't want a sixth judge. But I don't actually know, and this is all very inside baseball for all of those listening here who don't care or don't yeah. know anything about ARPP <laughs> awards, but there's yeah. five judges and there's a sixth person who helps wrangle the situation. And in some mm. ways the, six, the five judges are the jury of the courtroom except they're experienced, mm -hmm. in the, you know, and the, and the judge is the person that helps guide them but doesn't tell them what to do. Uh, mm. I quite liked it because David's argument was the panel chair can help educate the judges by, you know, suggesting that this person make a comment, that Kelly makes a comment because this is really needs a discussion of the emotive moment of the picture. Mm. But let's pull on Rocco because there might be some printing issues there and not rely on Rocco to speak up and, and Kelly yeah. to speak up at the right time. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've actually done WPPI a couple of times and seeing that in full force is was quite interesting in the very first year it actually even affected me directly because one of my images that had done well for the wedding photographer back in Australia 2015 I'd entered it over there and it just kind of went through to the keeper almost um you know it was a 95 or something back here and it, it kind of went through as a 80 or I don't know something and then it was the sixth the, the panel chair that actually brought it back in and said, I think you made a mistake. I'm going to take it to another room. There was no reason, but they had that authority to kind of mm. get it rejudged because he thought it was wrong. That's tricky. And it got, it? I mean, got I, rejudged I, and I, it won the whole thing in the end. I, so I if love, he hadn't have done I, that. I love that you got that. And <laughs> Yeah, but. But it's, it's, like, it's like, hang on, is that, is that right? Uh, well, I don't. Yeah, you yeah. could argue that it's probably not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but um, interesting. Yeah, I can see in circumstances where it's a good thing. Uh, I saw a few other examples where it worked, and some that didn't. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think know. if they're all if the panel in that situation, the panel chairs are really well trained. Um, I think there's a great opportunity. And David's point was, you could actually do a bit of on-the-spot training for the younger judges in that point because a panel chair can help educate yeah. the young judges and maybe not put as much pressure on them as on the other members. That's right. And I think the ones that they pick over there, are, there's only like six or something that they can have 
and they're the the big wigs, you know, they they really do know their stuff in on any genre. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So they are highly experienced. Yeah, that's interesting. So look, let's go. Let's flip back to uh, the conversation we're talking about, where you kind of bit of did did a bit of a pivot, and you've hinted at it when you talked about working, you know, collaborating in some ways. And you've got two pretty big collaborations going, one with um, Dan and one with James. Um, mm-hmm. So tell us, like, what you've done with Dan. What have you set up there? And is that a part of this getting your life back process? Uh, now, this is yeah. all grown up weddings, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, interesting enough, uh, I only do it now. Oh, really? Dan. <laughs> yeah. So Dan so- didn't grow up. <laughs> is that what well, happened? <laughs> yeah, no. Look, anyone that knows him knows that's probably pretty accurate, I suppose. But We love him. Um, yeah, we do. But we we started that um, back in 2013, I think. Um, we, you know, we're obviously from the same town and we were in a shared office space together and we sort of worked a lot together anyway. And we were finding we were pretty busy back then, but more Dan was travelling a lot and he was burning himself out even more than I was and getting sick all the time and, we thought if we have this collective agency, maybe we could pull back a little bit and get photographers to do all the work for us and we could just sit back and manage them. Um, that was the goal, but the reality's a little bit different, you know, because we had to become bosses. Um, you know, we had to essentially start from scratch, you know, trying to build a brand Um you know, we, we had lined ourselves to it so that it to hopefully give it a bit of a step up in the beginning. Um, but it got like it, it went really, really well for the first couple of years. Like it blew up, you know, it was um, very, very busy. There was nine of us at one point. Wow. Um, and we were like straight away shooting about 50 weddings a year. So, um and, you know, but, look, the reality is um, working with close friends uh, is tricky. Um, partnerships are tricky. Like, you know, I assume it's yeah. as a partnership and, you know, like they're tough ads. Yeah. And I think, you know, we did all the right things in the beginning. We were very much on the same page. The goals were always the same. But you know, life happens, you know, and at at that stage, you know, Dan was single and had no responsibilities and during that time, you know, he's married obviously and and has a family. Um, So priorities shifted for him as well and um, he needed to spend more time doing those things and travelling and that sort of stuff. So we'd sort of just miss each other all the time and we might not be on the same page for a while and then you know the friendship suffers and all that sort of stuff so um yeah we we made that just decision well, last year i think it was um I didn't that, that. yeah and that i would sort of take it over but we had a had a commercial space and everything so um yeah it was tricking tricky sort of parting ways you know, with a friend too, just we developed a lot of, you know, we had lots of assets, you know, it was just like a divorce, oh, you know, right. how, to, how to sort of split all that up and that was tricky and that was, 
a hard time, I think. Um, and then also, um, and I'm not saying anything new, I've, I mean, I've told this to him personally as well. It's like, you know, when it was sort of like I didn't have an arm for a little while because anything in business, you know, I become quite reliant on uh, his advice and his counsel a lot. You know, he's very good. He's a sharp cookie. Yeah, he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> very smart. And, um, it, yeah, just had, I, I don't know, I think I'd sort of taken a back step to some of the more creative approaches to business because they were, that was his expertise, you know, and without him I was like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, yeah, where do I go and how do I sort of make all these decisions on my own? Even though, I've, you know, I've still got my own business. I know what I'm doing there. It was just, it was different. So, um, but, you know, we've we've sort of um, got through that pretty much and I'm sort of, you know, the, running this collective even at the moment with everything that's been happening um, is tricky because, you know, the inquiries slow down. Um, as well and you're trying to generate more business but meanwhile there's this uncertainty in everything so people are you know they're holding back as well so uh, it's a tough time to be in a wedding business and let alone one that you're trying to generate 100 plus weddings a year you know it's like it's just not happening you must have thought (laughs) in new year's eve 2019 screw this year i can't wait for next year oh (laughs) No, you know where I was? I was stuck in the fires. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Blimey. Canberra so, got a double whack, didn't Well, no, we were at the coast, so we were in the south oh, south yeah. coast fires, yeah. So we got a house down there and, um, yeah, got to um, – like we were we were evacuated uh, that, that morning, so we got the 4, 5 a.m. because we didn't know, and it has come over so quickly. So we got out of there and the house um, – it took out all our garden, got to the front garden, but that's it. Um, yeah, so – and then, you know, the back end of even during January and December, shooting weddings during all that smoke yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everything in these 44-degree days that we'd have here and, I mean, far out. Rough season, <laughs> that's well, for sure. it's You know, just, just – I can't imagine how hard the, the, the split with Dan was and, you know, in a good year – having something and then having to take all that on yourself and deal with all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you would have been like just getting your breath and then yeah. bam, fires yeah. and then yeah. bloody pandemic, and, which maybe gave then, you a breather. If you can stop worrying, maybe you've had a bit of a rest, you know? Well, a, yeah, forced rest. But, you know, we even had to, or I, I had to, our lease was up on January the 3rd and we had to move out. Like, you know, so we were um, – and all my family are down the south coast too, so we were dealing with that and then trying to move out of a commercial space with eight years' worth of crap. <laughs> um, yeah, it was bloody tough, not going to lie. It was really shit, really shit incredible. time. <laughs> I don't know how you've done it. Um, so yeah. tell me tell me what you've been up with with um, with uh, the Clarity Project. Is that is that something that survived all of this as well? Yeah, yeah. We, I'll, I'll make Jimmy and I work pretty well together. Um, we sort of we had. I think we started that back in two thousand and seventeen as well. Like we just. I mean, I'd done uh, a fair bit of education 
on and off, but I'd never really gone and started my own workshop series and um, we'd been around enough to see a bit of a gap in the market with what people were teaching and I think we felt like it was a bit more practical aspects. There was a lot of inspirational like, um, which is great, great It makes you feel good, doesn't it? But it's like fairy floss. It doesn't have a, doesn't fill your tummy so much. Yeah, so we wanted to really get into the nuts and bolts of, all right, this is how we're going to sit down and work out how much your business costs to run. And uh, also then this is how we're going to shoot people in a certain light and, I don't know, just very fundamental, a lot of basic stuff, but I think even at a higher level if you've been around a while, like it's still applicable, you know. So it wasn't targeted at beginners or anything like that. Um, but again, that was great. First year off, we did three states, and I think I'm pretty sure we sold out all of them like pretty quickly. And um, we have a similar work ethic. I think Jimmins and I we're pretty hard workers and we're doers as well. We just sort of get in and get the idea and yep. just get it done. You know, we just don't sit on it for a year. Um, we did it the next year as well. Um, then with just so much going on, we just had to have a, a break from it. You know, there was a bit of a – it was just the market was inundated with workshops and um, I don't know, it just felt like there was they were just popping up everywhere and it just didn't feel like it was the right time to, to sort of get out there and, um, you know, we wanted to keep creating new content and right. it takes a long time because totally. they were just a one-day workshop. You know, they weren't over three days and, you know, they were just in one location so people didn't have to stay and made it pretty accessible and feasible for people to to afford. But um, I think I feel like we covered that off and, you know, we sort of probably want to move into something different maybe next time and, and – um, start over, you know, and just start yeah. the content fresh, you know, and that, that takes the first time we did it took us about a, a week solid to just prep eight hours worth of content. Wow. It's a lot of work. Wow. When, when was the last time you ran a session with that? Two, was it last year? Maybe two, end of 2018. Right, I think. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you're lucky you didn't have that on your plate last year as well. Uh, yeah. It's got to put it in, yeah. in a parking spot for a bit because it's a great idea and, you know, I've, I've seen you both present and, um, you know, mm. it's just – it's really solid stuff. It's very good. Um, yeah, and I think it, it helps. Um, you know, we're great mates and I think in the beginning was like we've just – we just always wanted to do something together in some capacity. You know, you live so far away um, over there in WA so um, – and we didn't get to see each other all that often, just at awards and stuff like that. But again, I think we just have similar values and yeah. uh, similar business practices, I suppose. So um, yeah, I thought, I, yeah, I think we offered quite a lot to people yeah. in that time. So it was good. I think we we saw probably I don't know two hundred students or two hundred fifty students in that time, yeah. maybe more actually. Anyway, can't That's remember, incredible. but it was a lot. Yeah. So look, yeah. Um, we're getting close to our close, but I'd love to just ask you really one last question. I mean, you're a Nikon ambassador and all the, you know, I can't imagine any more awards that you could possibly win, although it'll <laughs> probably happen naturally. But what, 
with all this uncertainty and everything, do you have any feel for what's going to happen next and what you're going to what you're working on? Uh, it's a good question um, because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I kind of for a while there I started thinking I'd need to leave weddings. You know, I, really? I, I, I well, I just thought that it. I think it was just a fear set in. I think maybe around May or something like that. There was just so much uncertainty and everyone was cancelling around you and um, and I, I you know. Um, I think it's just weddings will evolve into something we still don't know yet. I think it's still evolving and it's still changing how people are, are doing it and I think it's a good thing. I think it's actually filtering out a lot of the fluff, you know, and, and um, people are getting back to maybe shorter coverages and shorter time and more emphasis on the people and not the $20,000 flower budget or something like that. So I'm all for that. If um, if and they're that they're the type of weddings I want to shoot anyway. But I don't know. I think um, I I kind of found a couple of months ago. I mean, it's in winter, so it's quiet anyway. But I just literally went into this this year with a different mindset. I, I literally just decided to try and say yes to everything for a couple of months. You know, um, so I was doing real estate photography and I did some commercial days um, with, you know, uh, creative agencies. I did headshots. Um, I started video, started uh, learned video. I was filming all my son's soccer matches, um, did awards nights. I mean, just stuff that I would never have the time of day for or want to do but found just I wanted to make sure that my love for photography was still there because I just had a break from doing nothing that I started to like not like it again like I didn't want to pick up my camera or anything like that and if I wanted to try and be creative I was forcing myself to do it and it was just shit you know I was trying to photograph my backyard or something and trying to create abstract scenes or something and they were just rubbish you know I, I just um didn't have my heart in it sort of thing so yeah, just adapted into all this other stuff and then came back to weddings with a different set of eyes, I think. Just wow. um, changed my approach to things, changed the way I was shooting um, and it just sort of happened a bit organically. So I think I'll just keep going in that path, I think, for, for a little while and probably keep saying yes to things because it's made me happy you know I, I I would keep saying no before because I I thought oh I don't I don't want to do family photography that's just yuck I mean I do weddings you know like not being all prestigious or anything but it's just like I want to stick to one thing and I think I sort of closed my mind off a little bit to other cool stuff out there um and yeah I guess I've been lucky with, with Nikon. They've kind of helped me. They're just good, supportive people, aren't you know. They? Aren't they? Yeah, they're like, wonderful. How blessed yeah. are we to have bloody, you know, that crew um, yeah. that just drop everything. And they, they, they're photographers. They get the challenges. Yeah. Um, and the gear's yeah, great. Real. The gear's great, you know. Yeah. I And I've been doing um actually a fair bit of, I was on 2GB yesterday, which oh. is absolutely hilarious. Um, they're doing all these placation exercises and they're just, 
they did this study and discovered so many more people are into photography because of this pandemic. Uh-huh. Yep. And um, so that, that, you know, creating all these offshoots of just cool little projects and um, kind of being the poster child for them at the moment to sort of <laughs> to get it out there, which is quite funny. But On TGV. Just, Is it yeah, like Alan yeah. Jones's station? Uh, yeah, Ben Fordham. <laughs> I think Alan Jones has left, but I think, doesn't he own it or something? Something like that. Uh, Don't you have to have a swash sticker <laughs> on a tattoo somewhere on you to? Oh, yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not just joking. Nah. Uh, yeah, no, gonna... no. Not really my scene at all, but um, that's hilarious. It, it's been interest. It's been interesting, but no, they've been good to just you know just check on you, like just you know humanize yeah. the process too, because they're just good people, you know. So it's pretty easy to work with that, those guys. Yeah, isn't it yeah. lovely to like you? You and I uh, have been such in a professional mindset, and we've worked in within our industry with our other friends and people. When you hop out. And start showing people. Like I was at the South Australian Museum teaching kids to take better photos of their iPhones. And, you know, it's mm. like, oh, my God, they're so excited about photography and they see yeah. this, they see the light yeah. in their eyes and they didn't produce anything good. I was, my teaching was terrible. But, um, but <laughs> you know, wasn't. like it refreshes you. And, mm. and so this, this saying yes thing is what um, – are you going to keep saying yes for a bit, bit longer? Yeah, because I think what you've just said, I think it's sort of what it – it, it's done to me accidentally like I didn't I, I the yes let's be honest the yes factor was a bit to do with money <laughs> so it was like I know, you know yeah. gotta gotta you know and shooting houses and making four hundred dollars for a house or something I mean you know gee whiz it's it's not a lot for really the work you've got to do it's hard work actually but anyway that's another thing but um you know I I I was learning new stuff, like stuff that I – or some things that um, I hadn't done for a long time and I'm doing a film project with someone. I actually sent some films wow. to you guys as a test roll a few weeks back. But, you know, just those sorts of things to like, I don't know, challenge. I think a challenge, everyone needs a challenge, you know, and even now even though we're in horrible, challenging times, like um, – I, I was too complacent. This is what I've learnt from this whole thing. I was just like too set in my ways, too comfortable. Um, do you think so or do you think that you had so much going on trying to balance all that other stuff, you had to build a protective wall that was a bit of a no to different stuff? I don't – I mean, I was I'm, a bit of that. You know yeah. yourself. You know yourself and I'm, I'm, I don't want to be, you know, uh, telling you. But I, just from the outside, from the way you've talked – you had to have stayed no just to survive and you've just had the opportunity to say yes and it's just done really, really, really well for you, you know? I, I You're probably right actually because the no factor was just a time thing a lot of the time but I just also felt like my heart wasn't in anything and um, that the separation with a business partner as well when you, when you like how did it fail, why did it fail, what did I do wrong, what could I have done better and then that creeps into I'm not a very good photographer anymore or I'm not um, I'm not as confident as I used to be or all those sorts of things. So it's draining. It's like really weighs you down, I think. Um, and without all that and that stuff settles and then you have a different level of business pressure, like you've still got to try and create work for yourself but you're not out there 
shooting and you're not doing all the things that this time last year you were flogging yourself to do. So I was like, well, literally what else am I going to do? You know, I'm not going to – I'm too old to go out and start getting fit or something or, you know, become a bikini model or something. It's like, okay, well, I still love this stuff. So That's lovely. I, I had to make sure. I think because I I did want to quit. Not going to lie, you know, it was sort of touch and go there for a little while. So this was a kind of like let's just let's just see if it's still there. <laughs> so let's just say it still is. <laughs> we're lucky. We're lucky you found it. Um, yeah. yeah. For for now, because whatever you. I'm happier too. Like yeah. I'm I'm way more um, happier in like my confidence is is back, and I feel like I'm a bit more normal. You know, and 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 balanced. I think you know, and I'm I'm sort of going through the highs and lows a bit easier. The lows before were just catastrophic, you know, and now it's like, all right, well, how are we going to fix it? You know, so it's a bit of a shift in mindset as well. So it helps. That's awesome. Well, yeah. look, Kelly, that just I just loved every minute of this chat. So, um, Thank you. Let, let's let's. You know, wish you good luck and I can't wait to hear and see what you're up to. And I hope that you keep saying yes and you keep finding that joy because, you know, we get to a we get to a stage in life where you kind of know how to do things and yeah. you could easily slide off to nothing, you know, and, and not keep pushing yourself a bit. And you've done exactly the right thing. It's incredible and it's fantastic. I didn't realise what a couple of years you've had. It's Yeah, oh, it's fun, fun yeah. times. Well, yeah. congratulations and we'll catch up with Thanks, you soon. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that was the famous Kelly Tony, otherwise known as Tons of Fun. Because she's that's a, that's a That's a, that's a, 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 um, that's a burdensome um, nickname. Oh, you reckon that she has to turn up and well, be... It's like calling, calling your daughter Grace, sorry, for the... 98% of the population whose daughter's called Grace because fucking everyone's called Grace these Such days. Such a lovely name, Grace. Yeah, but what if you're not fucking graceful? What if you're a big clomping idiot? What if you're just a a, 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 a non-graceful, like, thumbling through the world doofus <laughs> so and your name is called Grace? Now we've lost the other half of our listenership. <laughs> well done, Kate. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, you know what's interesting? That Kelly had a very similar experience to you at university at at further education where she was basically told or at school anyway she was told you know i don't know well, no, I, she wasn't told year, she didn't have a good time with no. her with her studies yeah my first year at uni doing graphics was shit because the asshole lecturers kind of made it this like um i don't know they made it this sort of trick like like there were certain people that understood what they were asking for and then there was everyone else who didn't and I was one of everyone else. I was like, I don't understand what the fuck you want. And it took me a long time to just click over and all I had to do was get that one concept right but they wouldn't teach it to you. They would just be like, well, you got to work it out. Push so it what was the concept? What was the game? Was It, it was a part of the I was trick of understanding the I was being too literal and they wanted me to be more conceptual. And so it took me a while to work that out and I and I just found the environment just super unfriendly and, you know, really competitive and all the rest of it. So I just went away for a year and worked for you. 
Boy, that was <laughs> shut me up for a second. And then um, I worked for you, and then I went back and killed it because I was a bit more grown up, and and then I was like, right, I'm here to get this done because I have to go back to my full time job. Yeah, well, we're talking about all grown up. What about Kelly's pivot with the all grown up weddings? Where the idea, I, I expect, it didn't really quite come out in the interview, but you're so busy and you're saying no to a certain type of client, why not direct them to something else you run? And yeah, I think that's I mean, really you smart know, there's, There has to be – you, you never capture 100% of the market, right? So having owning the owning another segment of the market means you capture more than, than your little squish of it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's always smart. But, and, I, and I think there's also – It can be a lot of work though because it's a, it's a whole other identity that you need to support. Yeah, but it was an identity that was – I think the bigger picture is that it's an identity. The concept behind the business was one that was very genuine to who she was. Yeah. You know, she <coughs> – cough button. She didn't need – she didn't want to – she wanted to have, my understanding is, have something that is of um, – you know, for older couples, for couples that aren't sort of in their early 20s and that know what they want and all the rest of it, that kind of client base. So it's, it's segmenting a segment and capturing both ends of it, which is really smart. It and, is, it is. And I love the names, so, so clever. I've grown up with me. Yeah, and because like, like there are people getting married much later in life now than they, than they were. I mean, we got married at an obscenely early age. Um, you did, I was an old man. Yeah, well, you were born. Was an I old 30, man, so thirty? Thirty, wasn't different. I? Yeah. Were you? I was twenty-three. Yeah. Fuck. But you were now twenty-four. Children get married at twenty-three. Years. I'm going to fucking kill them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, all grown-up weddings is super smart. But the other thing is the um, is the clarity project with with James. I think the idea of of getting together with another person in the same industry and you know to tackle some of these opportunities is really smart. Yeah, I'm. I also really related to her feelings around um, being burnt out and not, and especially like I, I remember that age when I was super busy with my business and you were busy with your business and we had two kids that, you know, were in full-time care. Like when I was an art director of a food magazine that year was just so awful because I just never saw the kids and never saw yeah. you and all I did was work and it was just shit. Um, so I totally get that. Like we could just got to just got to like cancel shit to be a normal person again. Yeah. Um, re rework it all. And yeah. That's yeah. what this year's done for a lot of people is given them that, that time to actually reflect and, and redesign things. And I think, you know, Kelly, uh, you know, she reacted. She shut everything down, and mm. it just she had to call these people that she was paying <laughs> to to weddings and say, "Well, there's just no." And, and she was talking to the venues, and the venues were going, "Yeah, we're going ahead," and "No, we're yeah. not going ahead." And you yeah, like, the and then suddenly, it's, really yeah, the, then it stopped, <clears throat> and she got a chance to to think and go, "Well, what am I doing? Why am I doing it?" Yeah, I I think what I've seen in talking to people in the industry is, especially in Melbourne, there's been real. My business is over. It's over. Mm. Um, and then in the last few weeks, people going, I got five bookings, you know, for, for the people who were like, my business is over. So I think that I think it's been so hard on the places that have been locked down. And obviously that's Melbourne that has been locked down harder than 
I mean, then the majority of the world, they've been locked down harder. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's really hard when you're in the midst of that to think that it's go- you're going to come out the other end and there will be people wanting your services again. It's really hard to think about that while it's happening. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that people get, you know, I, I hope the right businesses survive out the other end of it. It's also interesting what she was saying about how the standard of work is so much higher than it always has been. And that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also what she was saying about charging. Like I think that's really interesting. I think certain people, they get really popular and in order to sort of stem the tide of your popularity and the bookings, you sort of keep upping your price, but then you get to a point where there's got to be a bloody ceiling on this stuff. I mean, obviously, Jose Villa hasn't found that ceiling yet. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Well, he seems so. we Mr. Forty Grand. We don't know. I mean, we d- we just know he's he's on stage. Oh, I'm pretty sure bit. the Jonas Boys didn't pay him forty grand. They probably did that for nothing. But who's the I, Jonas Boys? Oh, honey, like Jonas Peterson. No, I'll fill you in later. Anyway, is this one of those you got to be young things? Yeah, Jonas Brothers. You got it, honey. Well done. Okay, when you said the boys, I thought who's the boys? No, who's the Jonas Brothers? Any rate, they're. They were singers. Any rate. Oh, that's not really that's not Frank's really I'd neither here nor there. We are officially one hour and seven minutes past his walk time. Right, I know. We'll be walking him soon. But are you ready for your moment of colour? Is it about black and tan dogs and how they're the greatest dogs that ever walked the earth? No. Oh. Okay. Well, maybe I'm not so ready then. <laughs> well, are you gonna get it in? I'm not sure, Frank. Look at him. He's going. He's <laughs> like, dig, dig. hurry up with your stupid moment of color, motherfucker! I want to hey, walk. <laughs> my moment of color. All so right, I color thought, boy. I thought you know how when you're in um, the color settings menu in Photoshop and you go CMYK and you're looking at CMYK, the default when is you go just you drag down from the top image. No, 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 no. And no. you go CMYK. You're going edit color settings and you're looking at all the choices in there and you're looking under CMYK. The first thing that comes up is web coated. Yes. CMYK. So I thought I'd explain offset and web presses just because I think who what's yeah. web coded? What does web mean? Why do yeah. they say web? What's a digital they think, press? They think that web is like the interweb. Nah. No. Come on, do web. they? Well, I don't know. When I kept saying web, I'm thinking web. Yeah, we know what the web is. No. So does that my right color space to put my pictures no. on? No, everyone knows to put your stuff on the internet needs to be in the SRGB. Right, not web. Yeah. So the coated side, let's talk about the coated. Coated is is a paper that has a bit of a surface to it, mm. like a shine or a texture or something like that. So coated, uncoated. So when they say the second part of web coated, the coated part means the paper's got like a magazine, like a slight shininess yeah, to it. Yeah, and web is the is the So web is the print printing. process. So yeah. so with CMYK printing, there's the the there's four stations that put the ink on the paper. So we'll come back to that. But let's talk about the web first. The web is the fact that the paper is on this giant roll. It looks like a roll of toilet paper, but massive. Like if a giant the size of King Kong needed toilet paper, it would be the same size rolls. I love how you you've managed to get poo involved. No, in I haven't got poo involved. So it's about the height of a Kate, which is about one and a half metres, two metres hey, tall. That's better. I'm the, the closer to the two than the one and a half, thank you. Yep. And that paper gets put on a big spindle like the toilet roll holder and then the paper goes <laughs> through and fed on this giant roll. Have a guess how fast, how many pages per minute a web oh press can get up okay, to. Okay, how many? Are you ready? How many? Yes. You've forgotten, haven't you? <laughs> it's like, it's if it's... <laughs> you such a goof. You ready? Yes. 
15 metres a second. That doesn't tell me how many pages. It's like, I think I think the amount numbers <laughs> we'd be two two point four million pages well, a minute. Fuck. Can we get one? No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna like that's our entire year's work in an afternoon. Well, we have How do we do. get everyone to get all the files together? You gotta wait a year <laughs> just so that we can run it in an afternoon? Image quality isn't quite there either. Anyway, these machines, so what happens is the, the paper gets all tensioned up and fed through and the machines start off at a slow speed. So before you get the stuff ready to print, what you need to do is take the file and convert it to CMYK and create separation. So you take the image and you find out what are the black parts of the image, what are the cyan parts, what are the yellow, and it's the combination of those bits that make up the picture. That separation is a whole art of its own that we'll save for another episode because mm. I know how excited everyone to see that. <laughs> but the first ink station it go through is the black ink. We say CMYK, Cyan Magenta Yellow Black, but it's actually black first. Cyan Magenta Yellow is the is the is oh. normally the order that gets laid down, and um, the black ink gets transferred first, and it goes through. And with a web press, uh, generally they print both sides at once. So all the ink and everything, and all that engine for transferring the image, is actually two stories high. Mm. So these things are two story buildings. There's some beautiful footage in a movie called The Post. Oh yeah, of newspaper web printing. Yeah, yeah, which is different from from it is coated with, yeah. but you get you'll get a sense of the scale of it. They did yeah. a beautiful job because you it. think about these long rolls of paper. They have to turn corners. Mm. They have to go around. They yes, have to crack- be. They have to be. Uh, those that print single sided have to have double the length of inks. So and they've got to turn it in the middle. They've got to, and that turning process is called perfecting. I, like. It has to be a perfect turn mm. to get everything to line up. And so the, one of the big issues with the whole process is that cyan, magenta, yellow and black colours have to be perfectly in registration with each other. Otherwise you get that weird, like I'm looking through 3D, you go to 3D film without the glasses on and everything doesn't line up. Yeah. So the line-up process and the, the, the perfection in all of this is incredible. So I would encourage anyone to... Just get a YouTube video. Up. Maybe we'll make a link to it in the show notes if I feel like I can remember that and, and show you a good video of a web press working because it is insane. And the sort of speeds that mm. we're talking... Now, I think fifty. It, I think 2.4 million or 2 million pages a minute is about right considering the press rolls are like a metre and something wide. So if you think about pages as an A4s, yeah, yeah. I think it's easily doing 2 million pages a minute. But if it's a broadsheet... Uh, newspaper, different. Did you just yawn I into did. the microphone? I did. Am I that interesting? Oh, Darling, you can't do that. Oh, fuck. I'm you sorry. can't. It makes me feel bad. And the listener, listen, they're probably going to crash because they're yawning now. Listen, it's nothing Because when you yawn, you sometimes shut your eyes and li- squirt a bit of water. Listen, and if they're driving the traffic and listen, they'll be crashing. Listen, yawning is not about Are boredom. Are you explaining to me? It's not about boredom. I asked my trainer because I yawn all the time when I'm training. What does I'm your training. trainer know? He's a sporting professional. He's just a pretty boy. Well, one he of them's you. one of them's a little prettier than the other. But <laughs> yes, my point is that yawning is about oxygen. It is not about boredom. I just am standing up. I've been standing up in the one position. You're so tall, there's you no oxygen up there. You haven't said that I'm allowed to be at ease, and therefore I might pass out. You're not allowed to be at ease. Fall on the ground at any moment, and so I am attempting to get increased oxygen levels by. Yawning, and you've got your sound on your fucking laptop, so I win. So anyway, that was your moment of color. Have you got anything more you want to say about our new products? 
We're doing calendars. They're fucking sexy as shit. We're doing Christmas cards, even sweary ones. And you need to get your asses on there and and you no, know, you can't go anywhere because they're not up yet. <laughs> they will be this week. They will you be get order week. samples and they're beautiful. Yeah, they're excellent. Um uh tight for Christmas though. Oh, shut your face. Whose fault's that? Everyone's. Mm. The universe. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> hey everybody. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye.